Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship and the ministry of BBFOhio.com. I am Pastor Greg and I welcome you to this study in Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, titled, If He Repent, Forgive Him. To hear the conclusion of this study and to access any of our other free resources, just visit that website, bbfohio.com. You'll also find our contact and donation information there. As we now get right into our current events update and then our study, titled, If He Repent, Forgive Him. This is Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, and this is part 1. Events update. Headline reviews in the news. Number one, the metaverse is shaping up to play a role in the beast system. And uh, we will look at the biblical basis for that in a moment. But the Facebook uh, metaverse plan is uh, to get everybody into the virtual world so that uh, it, it's, it's got a very addictive nature to it, worse than Facebook. Because you get into that world, and let's say you put off the goggles and go to work or do whatever you do, the world keeps on going in the metaverse. So it's almost like when you're sleeping here, you wake up and things happen. You see it on the news or you get a phone call from somebody. Well, that's causing, already causing problems, people. There's other versions of the metaverse out there, and people are already having sleep uh, depravity issues and uh, other addictive behavior issues. But uh, they have built an $800 million Kansas City data center. And the reason for that is to gather everything about you and to store it. Whether you're involved in it or not, doesn't matter. And so they are collecting. Now, the NSA, the United Nations, and other nations, individual nations, are already doing this. And what they're going to eventually do is connect share information and so whatever this guy had on you and that guy had on you will be combined so they're going to know all of your texts all of your emails all of your financial transactions your all any history that's on record uh, trust me it goes into a digital form and they're going to have all that information because the governments will all be a part of that um, the move to build that 800 million dollar data warehouse campus um, comes as the tech giant ramps up its efforts to build the metaverse, a computer-generated environment where users can interact with each other in virtual reality. Now, um, some of us old folks are like, come on, that can't be serious. The younger generation is really into this. Um, a lot of them don't read their Bible because they're too busy in this stuff. A lot of them don't have real relationships outside of the metaverse anymore. They go to work or do what they have to do to earn a living, and then they don't have any, uh, you know, that, that's why the, the uh, marriage rate is going down because uh, talk to any of the singles in the younger generation, I'll tell you, it's hard to find a good Christian um, who isn't into this stuff that, you know, holds a job and is independent. And so that's this whole this whole newer generation coming up is being uh, sucked into all this stuff. It's not inherently evil. I just want to point that out. For example, the internet isn't inherently evil. It's and uh, I can only speak for myself, but I use it for good. Uh, I I benefit from it. I'm not uh, out there surfing the porn sites. I'm not involved in criminal activity. I'm not uh, doing all that kind of thing. But sadly, there are a lot of guys, including pastors, who get caught 
doing that stuff. And so it can be very evil. And the number one, we've told you this before on a number of occasions, the number one moneymaker on the Internet is porn. And sadly, a lot of that is illegal porn and includes child porn. So the Internet itself is very evil how it's being used. It's not inherently evil. And the same thing's true about the metaverse. They're already talking about uh, building a black uh, or dark, they have the dark web, you heard that? They're talking about the dark metaverse um, or something, they'll come up with another name, a darkiverse or something, I don't know what. Where they'll, the, and people, people are in, already they're trying to simulate uh, criminal activity, murder, uh, sex, everything. And so um, then, you know, just like regular pornography of the past, when you have that kind of experience, you get addicted to it and you'll want to go out and do it for real. So um, it is setting a stage for evil, including all that I just mentioned, but also the beast system that's to come. Look over Revelation chapter 13. And if for you to be... Uh, up to date on current events, you have to be up to date on your knowledge of the Bible. The Bible is a prophetic book. It deals with these things in a prophetic manner. tells you things to look for as the end time uh, prophecies are being fulfilled. And in Revelation 13, beginning in verse 11, uh, the Antichrist has already been alive and uh, doing damage on the earth. And then verse 11 says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Some of you, how many of you heard that the false prophet comes before the Antichrist and paves the way like John the Baptist did for Jesus? And the Bible teaches the opposite. And uh, here is the false beast. And I, uh, false prophet, I'm sorry. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. So who comes first? The Antichrist comes first. The false prophet comes second. And it says he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, but he comes afterward. And causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So what we see is that the beast, the Antichrist, receives a deadly wound and this false prophet, the second beast, comes along after that. And it says that... Uh, they worshiped the first beast whose deadly wound was healed and some believe that the false prophet will be seen as the healer, the one who healed the, the beast. Verse 13 then says, And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men, um, harp and other weather manipulation uh, uh, actions, uh, what do you want to call them, uh, technologies and such, could make that happen, but it could be supernatural. And it, by all indications, it is. So always be careful when the prophecy teachers try to give a natural explanation to what you read in the book of Revelation because um, it may seem incredible, but if you go back and read in Exodus, when Moses brought the plagues, there were a number of them that the uh, enchanters there with Pharaoh were able to duplicate them to some extent. Like when he threw down Aaron's rod and it became a serpent. They threw down their rods and became a serpent. The good thing was is Aaron's rod ate the other ones. <laughs> but they still were able to do that. And so, uh, and some of them didn't make sense. Like when they already had an, a lot of lice and they decided, well, let's see if we can do that. And they made more lice. No, they couldn't have lice. Oh, it was the lice one they couldn't. 
All right, look that up because I had the, was it the frogs? Which one did they make? They made more, I think, frogs. Yeah. Well, that'll give you, we just, I just read that not too long ago, so uh, I, I might be mistaken on that, but they were able to duplicate some of those plagues. It wasn't, uh, you know, trickery according to the Bible. They really had, you say, how is that? Well, uh, there's power on the dark side. There is a real devil and he has real powers. So, uh, to the point of our current events update, verse 14 says, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. See? Looks like he has power to do those. The Bible calls them miracles. Then it says, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And in verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now we don't know exactly what this is, uh, but some believe it could be related to artificial intelligence and virtual reality technology. And uh, then, based on the power of his miracles and, uh, and then getting everybody on board with this beast worship, then verse 16 says, And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and their foreheads. So you have to see what causes everybody just go in lockstep to receive the mark. Well, ask yourself that about the vaccine. What caused everybody to take an experimental shot which is known now not to keep you from getting um, the, the COVID? It's known. And yet most of your friends and relatives and neighbors still believe the lie. And you, you wonder how this is going to happen? Because in this case, they're going to be already caught up in worshiping this devil-possessed man. They're handed over to strong delusion. And then uh, verse 17 says, that No man might buy or sell save he that had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. And uh, verse 18 tells us the number 666. So with that, I just want you to understand what's going on. That's the whole purpose of these current events updates. This whole metaverse thing and the whole world of our AI and VR and all that, you know, it's all laying the groundwork and setting a stage for a time that will be more evil and um, dark and deadly than any time we've ever seen. In the meantime, everybody around the world is trying to convince you there's going to be world peace. How many of you saw Jenny uh, and I watched as uh, Pope Francis supposedly consecrated Ukraine and Russia and the whole world? And some people falsely reported that, that he was consecrating them to God. Not if you listened. Consecrating them to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. A false version of Mary. It's not the biblical Mary. It's a Mary that shows up and gives anti-biblical, anti-Christian messages like she did in Fatima. And it's blasphemous and it's calling the world to a one world system of peace. But it doesn't call them to Jesus. And uh, all the visions and all the angels and such that show up in the Bible, they're pointing you to Jesus Christ. So uh, we have to believe that there... Some of them are false, fake, 
but some of them are real and they're devils. They're demonic, devilish, satanic. So number two, we just want to now lay down this information. Uh, uh, each year we lay out the mainline Easter debacle. I just want to say, we're not saying people are evil. We're not saying they're not true Christians. But we do hope that you're interested in reality and that you pay um, no attention if you're not. But for those who love to know the facts, we just want you to understand the reality because this is real, folks. Jesus, this whole Easter thing with the bunnies and all that, if you want to do that and eat your candy, but that's not what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is about in any way, shape, or form. Um, and Amen. I do believe that Satan uses some of these things like at Christmas with Santa and the Rudolphs and all that. To, he uses things like that to get your mind off of the reality. But, you know, I'm not going to condemn people any more than I'd condemn you for watching Bugs Bunny. As long as you know it's not real. <laughs> and as long as you don't keep that from... Like if you say, well, I could read my Bible or Bugs Bunny, I think I'll go with Bugs. <laughs> That's what people do. And so if you're celebrating and, and honoring Jesus Christ's birth at Christmas time, there's no harm in that. But if it's overshadowed by the worldliness and everything else, there is something wrong with that. And the same thing's true with Easter every year. So this year, we're talking about specifically this year, uh, the date of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ does land on a Friday. It only happens every few years. See, every year you have Good Friday. That is not possible at all, ever. No matter, you can't, don't even try to debate it. It's not possible. I can prove it very simply. I was born September 18th, I was born on a Thursday. My birthday is not on a Thursday every year. Jesus rose from the dead on uh, the morning of after Nisan 17, the morning of Nisan 18. That's the Jewish calendar. That translates to a different day every year on our calendar. But the date, the, the day of the week, was on a Sunday the first time. Now that same day, the very next year, wasn't on a Sunday. And it's only on a Sunday every few years. So it, it does bother me that we observe what's called Easter, which is the name for Ishtar, a goddess, and instead of just calling it Resurrection Sunday. But it shouldn't be Resur Resurrection Sunday unless it's on Sunday. Because if he rose from the dead on Nisan 18, then you can look on the calendar and see what day of the year that is and so we'll start with crucifixion. This year, it actually was after sunset uh, in Israel. These are Israel dates. You have to, they're seven hours ahead of us, so you have to kind of, if you want to be real specific. But crucifixion burial day does land on April 14, 15. Because our days begin at midnight, theirs began at sunset. See how that works? It's a few hours off. This is the chart. Now last year we made one it's 2021. This year is 2022. You look at the green if you're looking at the chart. Nissan 14, you just come straight down and you'll see that it lands on Friday, April 15th this year. So Jesus wasn't originally crucified on a Friday. He was originally crucified on a Wednesday Amen. and buried before sunset 
But you can go to, this is the Hebrew calendar uh, converter, H-E-B-C-A-L.com. You can put in the dates and you can see for yourself that on Nisan 14, which is the day Jesus was crucified, this year it would be before sunset that he was buried, April 15th. So what day would the resurrection day be on? Well, Easter Sunday is on April 17th. But the actual date of the resurrection of Jesus would not take place until uh, evening of April 18th on our calendar. 1819, which is uh, Monday evening into Tuesday. And there it is on the chart. You can see you count. Nissan 14, buried at, before sunset. One, two, three, and rose again sometime after three days. Amen. Which would be Nissan 18. Follow that down. It lands on April 18th. So the numbers are the same, which is rare. And it would be the evening of Monday on our calendars. So, again, you go to Hebrew Calendar Converter and put in your dates, and you'll see that that's how it shapes up. But on this case, you have to put after sunset. Because it's after sunset when Jesus rose. He rose the early the next morning, which begins after sunset. And so that's how the calendar works out. And we're go I'm going to make copies of those so you can have them if you want them, but you can go online. It's not up there yet. It'll be up there tomorrow. We'll put that on the website. So the actual dates line up as follows. The crucifixion uh, took place between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. on Nissan 14. He was buried by 7.07 p.m., which is sunset, and then resurrected after uh, 7.07 or 7.08, somewhere in there, on Nissan 18. It would have been after sunset, which is when the morning begins. So on our calendar, it'd be he was crucified, between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. April 15th, buried by 7.07 April 15th, and then resurrected after uh, sunset April 18th, uh, 17th, which would have been April 18th on our calendar. So, now, all that, just to tell you, this is real. It's not fairy tales and bunny rabbits. But the most important thing is you understand that He is risen. The important thing is he was crucified, shed his blood, and paid for your sins, and then they put him in a grave, and after three days, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And when you repent from whatever else you believe, whatever else you're holding on to that's keeping you from God, you turn empty-handed toward God with faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and you trust in his death on the cross as paying for your sins. And the power of His resurrection after three days, He conquered sin and death and assures us that if He can raise Himself from the grave, He's going to raise you. Amen. All right. The title of our study is If He Repent, Forgive Him, taken right from the words in the text. So uh, we want to remember that this, what we're reading is right after the stark warning for those who would offend one of these little ones that He said they'd been better off having a millstone tied around their neck and cast in the sea. So it's a pretty uh, stark uh, change in um, direction and a stark warning. So let's read verses 3 and 4. Read those with me. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, 
and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Amen? Amen. So uh, he starts by saying, take heed to yourselves. That's the hardest. That's one of the hardest things as a pastor. Is, uh, you talk to people and they, they rarely think that this is for them. <laughs> it's always for that guy over there, that lady over there. And, uh, of course, I don't know. I don't know your life outside of here. I don't know what you're doing with yourself and everything. Only you and God know that. But then sometimes it becomes very obvious that some people are not here to be changed. And I'm just telling you that if you came here for any other reason than to be changed, you're here for the wrong reason. Why? Because nobody in here, including me, has arrived yet. None of us are perfect. So that means you need to be willing to change. Amen. And the other thing is, is you're not as smart as you think you are. Oh, amen. You're not as smart as God. Amen. God is the smartest one in the room. Amen. And He's given us His Word right here. And He says, take heed to yourselves for that purpose. And Jesus immediately warns us against becoming unforgiving. Sad thing, but I found a lot of Christians who are very unforgiving and that's a contradiction a Christian should be very forgiving. But there's also a problem with the definition and application of forgiveness. And that's why I say, however, it says, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. One of the big problems with forgiveness is that everybody just wants this mushy pie in the sky stuff and they don't want to have to do the dirty work. The dirty work is confrontation. Forgiveness is to be real. Wrongs must be confronted. Now sadly, here's what happens almost every time I've confronted somebody. First of all, you never go running at them. You never yell at them. You're never rude about it. But you simply ask them if you can talk with them. And you say, you know, this is the issue and uh, this needs to be dealt with because you're wrong. I mean, this is wrong. And now... Uh, I just want you to know, uh, this doesn't say the pastor does this. Amen. See, this is you have to do this. Amen. And most Christians aren't willing to be confrontational. But before we even get into that, most of the people you confront will not hear you. And we have had people here... In the past, not very often, but on a handful of occasions, and when I went to confront them, what did they do? Gone. Go somewhere where no one's going to bug them. But there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, what I could do is illegal. <laughs> I could tie them up. <laughs> tie them to his chair in the basement. You know, that sort of thing. I could do that. But it's illegal. So we have to let them go. But that's why 1 Timothy 5.20 says this, Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Now that's talking about after a person's been confronted individually and they persist. There comes a time where you have to just bring it up in front of the whole body. And, uh, but it rarely gets there for two reasons. Number one, most of the time they're gone. There have been... Like I said, three or four times where I had to inform everybody that someone has been wrong, had been confronted, and they just basically blew us off. And that's why you're not seeing them anymore. Um, it's been a while since that happened, but it's happened. 
but thankfully, of those who stick around, the majority repent. And I've seen it. And that's what we're after. We want reconciliation. We don't want you to run off if you're wrong. We don't want you to not be reconciled. But God's process doesn't get to play out very often because of unwilling participants, but also, sadly, because Christians, against what they profess, they don't actually allow Jesus to be Lord. They don't actually allow Him to dictate our policies. And so that's why they're not dealt with correctly. Uh, confrontation is a word that's just the word scares people. Yeah. Confrontation. But it's a necessary part of the Christian life. Yeah. And uh, that includes your own children if you have any. That includes your siblings even. That includes even your parents. Now, I haven't had to do this with my parents, but I know some people who have had to go to their parents and say, listen, I love you. I appreciate everything you did with for me, but I believe you're going to hell. Jesus died for your sins and you just persist in rejecting Him. And you're going to die. Everybody dies. There's a great song that uh, Hank Sen- uh, Sr. Yeah, uh, sang, Never get out of this world alive. <laughs> Haven't you heard that? You people aren't Hank fans? I mean, that's weird. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> from my BC days as back you know it's a true statement you'll never get out of this world alive unless you're raptured but that means you're saved so we're not talking about any of those we're talking about people who are lost confront them with the fact you're going to die and without Jesus Christ I'll never see you again 